This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. I'm excited this morning because um, I noticed last week that we talked about opportunity and I could see that in your eyes, I can tell whether you're listening or not, okay? Oh, yeah. You can tell, can't you? That vacant expression that, that I often see, not of you lot, obviously, but of other, other people. Um, my wife, for example, I'm brave. She's in the room as well. Very scary. She's a scary lady if you haven't met her. Very scary. But uh, last week, as we looked at opportunity, it got me excited because I know that we've got a lot of opportunity before us as a church. That excites me. I like these sorts of things, things that keep you on your toes. You can't have a moment to sit back because it's all happening. Um, And that's quite cool. And if you weren't uh, able to get to the AGM um, on Wednesday, straight away you've switched off because I said AGM. You're thinking annual general meeting. Next year, we're calling it Vision 2019, all right? So be aware of that in your diaries. Yeah, make sure you're here, else otherwise John will judge you. And he's a big lad, all right? So hopefully, if um, if you weren't here, then we can give you the information for that. But uh, the, the news was, or some of the exciting news was, that um, we are going to get next door. It's a bit more exciting than that. We are going to get next door. There we go. And uh, we're, we're going to pop a couple of doors through. We're going to go through there. And hopefully on the 5th of March, we will have the keys for next door. Uh, we reckon there's three to four weeks worth of work. We'll see how we get on. We'll see how we get on. We'll see how many of you are able to uh, to give us uh, a bit of time and see if we can't get next door sorted to how we'd like it to be. Um, so starting the 5th of March, we'll sign some paperwork and we shall uh, eventually bash through. And uh, then we'll have church in there. Yes. Very cool. Uh, we are keeping this space as well. Don't uh, we're, we're going through there. And you'll be able to come back here for teas, coffees and hot chocolate. I say that for Bart's benefit. He loves hot chocolate, that lad. But uh, anyway, so this morning, based in last week as we saw the word opportunity. Um, and of course, you'll all remember everything that I said. But for those that weren't here... <laughs> For those that weren't here, the idea is that when God gives us an opportunity, what we're to do with it is not just to sort of sit on it or maybe do just a little bit with it, but actually think to ourselves that what we do with this opportunity is our gift back to God. How we approach that uh, opportunity, what we do with it, gives us the chance to say, okay, God, this is my gift back to you. Much like when uh, we see the parable of the talents and we understand that one of them buried it, one of them doubled and one of them doubled something even greater. And the idea was that they gave all that they had in order to bring something back to their master. Well, two of them did. One of them buried it. And the idea for you and I is very much the same thing, that actually we shouldn't be burying these things. We shouldn't just say, okay, it's an opportunity, but... I'll just do with it and handle it with kick gloves because I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to do something wrong. I don't want to, you know, I haven't really got the time to dedicate to it. But actually we say, no, okay, God, this is an opportunity that you've put in front of me. I'm now going to do my very best with it. I'm going to keep you at the center of everything I do. And all that I do is my gift back to you. And this is really how we need to start approaching life and, and saying to God, okay, I'm here. This is what I want to do. And this is how I'm going to live for you. 
And I guess it's always a wonderful opportunity for us as a church to think about something far bigger than ourselves. This is the idea of church or ecclesia caught together. This is who we are. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And the idea then is that we come together. My worship at home when I'm singing in the shower, well, it's all right. Nigel next door's heard it, and he's not so keen. <laughs> he's not so keen. But anyway, but, uh, but that's great. But when we're together, the noise is so much better. Because you're singing in tune, even though I'm not. It doesn't matter whether I sing in tune, because as long as you sing loud enough, you drown me out. But the, the idea is that together we make a joyful noise and we, we give back to the Lord. And collectively as a church, it is so much bigger and better. And it helps us to lift our eyes off of ourselves. Isn't that just a problem? I know it is for me. Because I worry about me all the time. Because the world tells me that I've got to. But the Bible tells me that God's got me sorted. I don't need to worry about tomorrow. God's got that in hand. He's looking after me. He cares for me. He loves me. He's got my best interests at heart. All the way through the scripture, I can see that the Bible tells me that God loves me. So much so that he would send his very best for me. So if that's the case and God loves me, well, all I really need to do is just connect to understand that he has it all in hand. And all I have to do is just bring praise and worship to him and say, this is my life. It's no longer mine, it's yours. Show me, teach me, guide me, and help me to bring glory to you. And as we do that, the opportunities that are put in front of us give us the, uh, give us the chance, I guess, to give our all back to God. We don't sit on it or bury it, but we go for it wholeheartedly. So now with our minds refreshed, just in case... I wanted to have a look this morning at making a house a home. You'll have all seen those uh, home programs, right? Where they say to make a house a home. And if you want to sell a home, the best thing to do when somebody walks through the door is what? Bake bread. Coffee and bread. They are the things, aren't they? When you walk through the door and you go, I could live here. And that's how... They tell us that that's the best way to sell a home. But I want to just take us back to the Old Testament, if that's all right. Exodus chapter 40. Um, and I just want to have a look at something here. Because what this is going to do, hopefully, is show us what was and now what is as we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. And, and basically, we come to the end of Exodus. And if you've ever read through uh, the scriptures, maybe in a year, or even if you've read through uh, the first five books of the Bible and you got to Leviticus and you thought, wow. If you got to Leviticus, you managed to get past Exodus. Um, and Exodus, really, there's a, a whole chunk of the back end of Exodus that tells us all about the tabernacle. What God requires, what he wants in there, what it needs to look like, how it needs to work, how these things need to be set out. And to be honest, although it's a, um, it is fascinating, it's fantastic to study, actually what it does is, is take our attention to the New Testament. And this is the joy of the Old Testament. Don't ever just read the Old Testament in isolation and think, well, that's, that's it for that. No, no, no. It's always, but always, but always pointing to something in the New Testament. Always. Without doubt. 
Even when you look at those moments and you think, what on earth is going off here? Keep looking, keep studying, and, and you will always find something that takes you to the New Testament and shows us the new covenant. And that's exactly what we have here. And when I say new covenant, all I mean is this was the promise that God had with Moses. And really, as time went on, there are all sorts of different covenants. But for you and I, we're in the new covenant, which is based around Jesus Christ, that we know that Jesus came. There's more history for Jesus Christ than Henry VIII. There's more evidence and more proof that he existed over Henry VIII. So we know that that happened. And there are over um, 500 eyewitnesses that uh, saw Jesus after his resurrection. Now, you think that's not a lot. I guess it's not a lot in the grand scheme of things. But the other truth of the fact is that what they did is declared that they saw Jesus risen. And that meant that they were going to die. So for me, that tells me that they're either really good at wanting to die. And I've never really met many people like that. I don't know whether you have. Or what they saw is absolutely true and they were willing to give their lives for it. Okay? So when we sum all that up and we see then that God's got a promise here and he's got a promise for us today. Let's just have a look at this. Let's start in chapter 40 and verse 33. It says, then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and an altar and put up the curtain and at the entrance to the court, courtyard. And, uh, and so Moses finished the work. And then let's see what it says. Verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and, glo- and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not send out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and the fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. It's an amazing portion of scripture. Um, and we're, we're not going to take it in isolation as such. We're going to go straight to the New Testament. So rather than sort of go through all the, all the ins and outs of how we get to this point, we're going to jog through and get through to the New Testament. But essentially, we've got a situation now where God is dwelling with his people. He's dwelling with his people, Israel. He has made this place via Moses and all those that were there. And he set this up so that his very presence can be in the midst of his people. And what he then does is when he sets out to go and wants them to go, the cloud raises from the tabernacle. But if he wants them to stay, then the cloud stays there. And his presence is there. The glory of the Lord settles on that place and leads Israel in the steps that God wants them to go. His presence is residing, if you like, in the tent. And I find it amazing because... I guess we could say, for you and I today, you know, that's great, and that's fantastic, and when the cloud lifted, they went, and when the cloud didn't lift, they stayed. And you can read over that and think, well, what's it got to do with me? 2018. Couldn't be less interested if I tried. Now, of course, you're not going to say that, but you want to listen. But if we look at that in isolation, we probably would say, oh, well. But actually... You see, we're certainly, for you and I, there are major differences. I don't know whether you've noticed, but we're not in a desert. Anybody notice that? It's not that hot, to be fair. Um, And also, you know, we've had Jesus, as we've said, in our history. So we know then, as we've already said, that we're in the new covenant and in the new promise. But as I was reading this article earlier on in the week, 
it, it sort of got going in my head and I couldn't help but be drawn to the wonder and joy that we have as Christians in 2018. When we accept Christ the Saviour, and when we say sorry for the sin in our lives, who, who finds the word sorry difficult? Oh, look at you. Not one of you put your hand up. You're all fibbers. In our house, it's one of those words. And of course, as the boys sort of grow up, they suddenly decide that sorry is not one of them words, is it? I don't really want to, I don't want to say it. Yeah, but you poked your brother in the eye on purpose. Yeah, he's got two. Well, that's just how that's just how boys are. And when you look at them, you think, "Oh, the little angels." <laughs> or maybe you look at them and they've kicked you in the shin, and you think, yeah. "You never can tell with them." But you see, when we say sorry to God and we say, "Lord, I'm sorry." the wrong things that I've said and the wrong things that I've done and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ I believe in him and I'm thankful that he came for me the moment that we do that the Bible tells us that we receive the Holy Spirit from that very moment and that's interesting because let me just elaborate a little bit I'll take a deep in I've even rolled my sleeves up today which means you're in a world of pain but first of all what, let me ask you a question. What makes a tent a tent? And don't say cold and wet, because that's only in Britain. <laughs> what makes a tent a tent? Anybody brave enough? It's movable. So it's something that's just, it's temporary. Our tent was very temporary. The year that we were, were tenting, or oh, it's a while ago now, because we, 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 well, we've got a caravan. It's glamping, isn't it? It's not really camping. But anyway, back in the day when we had a tent, there was a particular storm, um, which I remember quite well, because most of our tent disappeared that day. Very, very dangerous things. They are very temporary, and they do tend to blow away. Unless you've got one of these posh ones that blow up, ain't it? But for us, well, our tent just blew away. And they're not permanent. They are very cold and very wet. And it tells us then that they're a non-fixed dwelling place. Can we, we can all agree on that, yeah? Can we? Okay, so one of my favourite passages in scripture, and I know we shouldn't have favourites, but you've all got them. Yes, you have. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 9. Just have a turn to that with me, would you? It'll be up on screen if not. But let me just read this to you. It says, by faith, uh, well, let's go back to verse 8. Sorry, Alistair. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his, as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents. Why is that relevant? You see, it's so interesting because Abraham, in, his promise, uh, in God's promise to him, told him that he was going to get to the promised land. But the truth is that Abraham got there but, but he, he was just there. It, it was just a place. He lived in a tent. It wasn't permanent. He was looking forward. Let's have a look in verse 10. He was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Then when we think about it, that a tent is absolutely just temporary, we start to see then the faith that Abraham had because he was looking forward to something far greater. So often, church, don't we? We have to take our eyes off the immediate because if we do, we start to see that God has got it in hand. Because the moment that we start looking, as we've already said, at ourselves and our surroundings, we start to panic because it's out of control. Anybody else feel like that? 
Because the truth is that as human beings, we don't have control. Oh, we like to think we do. You see, if I'd got control, yesterday when I took my eldest son to watch the football, we'd have won 3 or 4 nil. That was what I'd got planned. We drew one all. At least we didn't lose. And at least he saw a goal. But, you see, I'm not in control. I wasn't in control of anything to do with it, other than the fact that we got in the vehicle to go there. And I wasn't really in control of that. It just so happened that I arrived there. Then we had to walk quite a way, which I was disappointed about. But it got my steps up. But you see, when we realise and we understand that there is something far bigger and far greater and far better, even the thing that we know is so wonderful, this, you, you lot, you are wonderful. And this is fantastic. But if we start dwelling in this moment that this is the best thing that ever could possibly be and there's nothing ever greater than this, it's the most incredible thing, it'll soon die away. And there'll be nothing left. You see, because we need to keep our eyes on God. We need to keep our eyes on the hope and the joy that we have set before us that one day as Christians we will see our Saviour face to face. Now you're lovely. You are. But I'd rather see Jesus. And I hope you say the same regarding me. Probably don't say you're lovely, but that you want to see Jesus rather than me. But the truth is that as we start lifting up our eyes and understanding that God is the architect and God is the builder of somewhere that has foundation, somewhere that the wind's not going to blow away, somewhere where the storms of life aren't going to disturb, but actually that God is in absolute control. Abraham got to the promised land. He lived there, but he lived in a tent because he wasn't clinging too tightly to all the noise around him. Anybody cling? Oh, we can cling so tightly, can't we? Because everything seems the most important thing. Things you were doing a year ago, you probably don't do anymore. But they were the most important thing at the time. You see, as life moves on, as things move on, you know, as well with cars and houses and boats and holiday homes and timeshares and bank accounts. Everything just depletes. Everything just breaks. Everything rusts. Everything gets destroyed. The only thing that is constant is the fact that God loves us and that if we put our faith and trust in him that one day we will see our saviour face to face. And the Bible then tells us, as we've read there, that we will go to a city with foundations. And the truth of that is that it will last forever. And forever seems like a really long time to me. And because of that truth, we as believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, are just passing through. We know that, don't we? Our destination is set to glory. My satnav doesn't say, don't panic. My satnav says, God. That's where we're heading. We're heading on our way to see our creator. And this is the joy that we have. We're on our way to glory. And we work at it as best that we possibly can. But as we start to understand and see that God has got it all in control, we can see then that God hasn't said to you and I that we're on our own. Nobody likes being on their own, do they? The Bible tells us that when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. 
And we know that God is three in one straight away, don't we? Because the Bible tells us maybe we don't even understand that to its full degree. We've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One being, three persons. And as we start to grasp that and we put our faith and our trust in Christ, there's more than just me. And that helps. Because I know in my own head and in my own heart that there are all sorts of things going off, much like you. But I know that God's with me. I know that he loves me. I know that he cares for me. And the Bible tells me he will never leave me nor forsake me. Even when I'm rubbish, he's still good. Don't we love that? Even when we're rubbish, God is still good. And God didn't say, well, here you go. Now you've accepted my son as your savior. You're on your own. In fact, no far from that. What he did is he said, here's the Holy Spirit. The moment that we're saved. Let's just have a look at what the scriptures say to that. Not what I say, but more importantly, what the scriptures say. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Again, it will be on the screen. Verse 13 and 14. And, and Paul writes here, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who God's possession, uh, who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That God has said, when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, God has said, you're mine. I love you. I sent Jesus for you. My very best for the very worst of you. And as you put your faith and your trust in him, you are mine forever. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we receive the Holy Spirit as our guarantee to the fact that one day we will see our Savior face to face. You know, all sorts of um, things can come out about what the Holy Spirit is or isn't and that we have to perhaps earn it by some special code that we live by. The Bible tells me that the moment that we accept Christ as Savior, that we receive the Holy Spirit. And when we have the Holy Spirit, that is our guarantee, our deposit, that we will go to glory, that we will see our Savior face to face. The thief on the cross would, would talk completely into that, that he didn't have chance to do anything else other than say, you are God. I'm sorry. And Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. And the joy of that for you and I today, that God has done what needed to be done. And we, as his children, receive life. And we receive the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to quicken our hearts, to quicken our minds, to turn to godly things, to godly ways. Much like when God led the Israelites through the wilderness and showed them when they needed to get up and go, and when they needed to sit. His presence then was in the tent. But for you and I as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit with inside of us. And I guess this is our challenge this morning, and this is where my title comes from, that we make a house a home. Um, just flip over a few pages to Ephesians chapter 3. Again, um, if you are an underliner in the Bible, this is the section. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 through to the end of that chapter is just the most incredible piece of writing as Paul pours out his heart in all that God is and all that he's done. Um, and as we just tap into that a little bit, let's just do 14 through 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. You know, what a stunning piece of of scripture. But what it does is it says there, verse 17 really is our verse, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. The direct translation from the Greek is a word called katakoya. Now, that sounds incredible. I literally read it in a book. I know. And my Greek is that good. Um, But as you read that and you understand it, what that word translates as is that Christ will down home in your heart. That's the joy. This is what we're to set out and do. That Christ would down home in my heart. Now, I know the things that I do. The sin in my life. And I know you know your own heart. There's only somebody, one person that knows it better than you, and that's God himself. But in our heart of hearts, we know, don't we, that the things that we have, the sin in our life, and what we need to do is make a house, a home, that Christ would down home in our hearts, literally to the point of putting his feet up. You know, what a joy that would be. You know, and what we have to do is live our life according to that. That he would relax, he would be comfortable. You know, that I wouldn't take the Holy Spirit into things that are going to make him go, oof, should you be here? Should you have said that? Should you be doing that? Is that really what you are? But rather that where I go, that who I am, that who I say I am, that what comes out of my mouth is allowing the Holy Spirit to down home in my heart, to be comfortable. You know, that's a real challenge for us this morning because I know, much like me, you are in that position where there are times when I can say, okay, perhaps he's comfortable. Perhaps now. But I also know that Monday morning soon comes round. And and Thursday afternoon, when I'm tired, I'm a bit groggy. My temper may have got a little bit shorter. And I know you're exactly the same because that's how we are. But the Bible tells us that we need to keep on our toes about that. We need to stay focused on him. And how do we do all that? Well, we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. We allow the Holy Spirit to teach us as we're drawn to his word. Amen. And we keep our eyes and our minds fixed on things above. Has God got it all in hand? Blimey. I'll ask you again. Has God got it all in hand? You know, he absolutely, absolutely categorically has. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants the best for you. I'm not talking to the person to the left or to the right of you, the person in front or behind. I'm talking to you. God says this morning, I love you. I want the best for you. Accept my son as your saviour and receive life. What a promise. What a blessed assurance that we have. So we keep our eyes and our minds on things above. We live out our lives for him, with him at the centre of all we do. And let's look to make it comfortable. Let's look to make it comfortable as we live out our lives for him, so that he can down home in our hearts. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning for your word. Father, we thank you for the truth. 
And I just pray, Lord God, that as we have put our faith and our trust in you, that you would help us, Father God, to live out this life for you. That, Father, you might just encourage us and strengthen us to give our all to you. Father, the sin in our lives that continually entangles us, that we would hand it over to you so that you would deal with it. And, Father, you might just shape us and mould us into what you want us to be. And too, Lord, this morning, I just pray for those that don't yet know you as Lord and Savior. Father, the simplicity of the gospel is that you would send your son, Jesus Christ, to give us life. And Father, I just pray this morning that your Holy Spirit might move and that lives might be changed. Father, that's our prayer. That your gospel might be accepted into hearts. Lord, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all that he's done for us. We thank you for your love and for your grace and your mercy. And we just want to lift your name high now, Father, as we just worship together, as we enjoy fellowship together. Lord, we pray that you might just bless us. We ask all of these prayers in and through our Saviour's precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.